Hi, I'm James Schofield, the creator of this podcast, Behind the Bottom Line. Business isn't really about numbers, it's about people. Behind the Bottom Line is a collection of the funny, sad, and frankly weird events that I've experienced in business, and which I turned into stories for various magazines. In each episode, I tell you a little bit about the real-life background that inspired me, and then I read you the story itself. So let's find out about today's story, Mr. Dimkin. I wrote Mr. Dimkin for Business Spotlight in 2012. And the story is told by uh, a lawyer, a solicitor, Julia. And she's in the police station and she is collecting the confession from Mr. Dimkin. And he has walked into the police station to announce that he was responsible for the body that was found in a concrete pillar on a motorway. So the motorway is being built and uh, early one morning somebody found this body's, uh, this face of a body sticking out of a concrete pillar. And everybody's very shocked and Mr. Dimkin comes in to confess Uh, that he was the one who did the deed and this story is about what led him to do this and how he got there and it's quite creepy I think. Mr Dimkin is kind of a revenge tragedy really because the central character Mr Dimkin is basically a good person Uh, forced to do terrible things because he has one single character flaw and I've always had quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of sympathy for people like that Um, people who end up in terrible trouble um, partly because it is their own fault um, but you can see how they get into that situation Um, I've always felt uh, a lot of uh, sympathy for Macbeth for example Um, and the other thing it's about is about somebody who's being bullied and they get their own back on the tormentor in a particularly suitable way. And that is uh, something which I found uh, quite satisfying when I was writing it. Um, but as for the actual background of where the idea came from, that goes right back to my childhood. So I grew up um, in... Uh, uh, just south of London and uh, around that time so this we're talking about the 60s and 70s um, and there was a lot of building going on um, a lot of new roads a lot of new motorways um, and one road one um, uh, large concrete structure that we were always driving past if we were going up to London or we were going to Heathrow Airport uh, was uh, the Chiswick flyover and this was a large basically bridge which uh, drove over uh, uh, originally it was quite a nice part of London called Chiswick um, and uh, was eventually it became part of a, a motorway um, and this was actually opened in 1959 uh, by Jane Mansfield no less who was making a film at that uh, uh, in the area or nearby um, but that's not the interesting part. The interesting part about it was that um, during the construction phase, um, urban legend has it that the famous 
gangsters, the Cray twins, deposited bodies of their enemies or rivals in the concrete pillars as they were being built so that uh, the builders would uh, put up the shuttering in order for it to, to make a pillar. Um, and then overnight, the Cray twins would come along, dump a body inside it, and then in the morning, the builders uh, would pour concrete on top of it, meaning that each of those pillars was supposed to have a body inside it. Now, I have absolutely no idea whether this was true or not, um, and I've also absolutely no idea who told me this story, uh, whether it was my parents when we were driving past, uh, whether it was one of my sisters. Um, uh, I, I don't know where, where I heard this story from originally. Um, but the result was that subsequently, every time when we were driving somewhere and we were caught maybe in a traffic jam underneath a bridge or going through a tunnel um, and were surrounded by concrete, I would always look at the walls surrounding me and wonder if I could uh, see a hand or a face or a leg uh, uh, outlined there in the concrete in front of me. Uh, and that is, um, yeah, that is what led me to write this story, Mr. Dimkin. Um, I hope you like it. I'm quite happy. I'm quite pleased with the little twist that uh, I managed to build into the end of the story. It's always very satisfying as an, as an author if you feel that you've managed to, to put in a nice little twist. Um, and I hope you find it fun too and um, a little bit scary. So that's enough introduction. Let's now turn to the story. Mr. Dimkin. The front page photograph on all the newspapers was sensational. It showed a half-completed bridge on a motorway outside London. In the middle of the bridge was a newly finished concrete pillar. And, on the surface, halfway down, you could see a real human face, the mouth wide open in a silent scream. Two weeks later, Mr. Dimkin walked into a London police station and said he was responsible for the body in the pillar. I was the duty solicitor at the police station that evening and, to be honest, I was a bit nervous when I went to meet him. Don't worry, love, said a big policeman as we went to the interview room. We'll be with you. Mr. Dimkin stood up as we entered and shook my hand. Hello, Mr. Dimkin, I said. I'm Julia Thomas. I'm here to give you legal advice during the police questioning. Thank you, Ms. Thomas, but it will be a simple matter, I promise. His English was clear and correct, but with a strange accent. Do you have any family that I should inform? I asked. No, my mother was my only relative. She died last month. The interview started with Mr. Dimkin being told his legal rights, but he held up his hand. Please he said. I wish to tell everything. And then he began. I first came to Britain with my mother when I was 18, after my father died. He and my mother were Baptist missionaries, and we'd spent many years travelling in Asia and Africa. So when we came here, it was like a foreign country to me. Later I found a job driving concrete mixers for a construction company, working hard, and within ten years I was in charge of the entire fleet of the company's lorries. But I had a secret problem. Gambling, horse racing, poker, 
I was out of control, always hoping the next bet would win back the money I had just lost. Finally, I made the mistake of borrowing a large sum from a gangster called Kenny Shriver. There was a reaction from the police officers in the room when they heard this. Mr. Dimkin smiled grimly. Yes, a familiar name to you, I'm sure. But you were never able to arrest him, were you? He stopped for a moment to drink some water. Of course, I gambled away all the money I borrowed. I asked Kenny for more time to repay him, but he refused. He said he would tell my employers about my problem. I would be fired and my mother would find out. I, I begged him not to, but he wouldn't listen. He picked up the phone as if he was going to call my company, but then he stopped as if he'd had a good idea. Maybe I could help you with your little problem, if you could help me, he said. Anything, anything, Mr. Shriver. Good, now this is what I need you to do. It was horrible. Because I coordinated the company's lorries and equipment, I knew all our building sites around London. Late that evening, Kenny met me at our depot, together with two of his men. They put something, I'm sure it was a body, into one of the mixers. And then Kenny drove with me to one of our sites and watched as I poured the concrete and the body into the foundation. That was not his last request. About once a year, I'd drive home and find him sitting alone in his car, waiting for me. Twice when I tried to refuse, he, he threatened to hurt my mother, so I agreed. For 30 years, I delivered corpses in concrete all over London for Kenny. But last month, my mother passed away. So when I drove home one night, two weeks ago, and saw him waiting for me again, I was filled with hatred for this, this, this gangster who'd ruined my life. I wanted revenge. Kenny trusted me by now, so he was happy to come in for a drink. In the kitchen, I mixed sleeping tablets into his whiskey. He passed out, and then I put him in the boot of my car, drove to the depot, dropped him still alive into a mixer and made my last delivery of concrete. When I saw the newspaper picture, I was glad. Kenny must have come round inside the pillar as the concrete began to dry. Nobody spoke for a moment after he had finished. The horror was too much. Before Mr. Dimkin went back to his cell, he shook my hand again and thanked me. I don't know what for. I wrote my report and went home. The next morning, the phone woke me at seven o'clock. It was Simon Velasco, the head of my law firm. He came straight to the point. Julia, your client, Mr. Dimkin, is dead. What? He used the bedsheet in his cell to hang himself. Oh, the poor man, he must have suffered terribly. But Simon, there's going to be a huge scandal. Mr. Dimkin was... Julia, there's going to be no scandal. Why not? Think about it. Any large building, bridge or railway station built in London over the last 30 years by Mr. Dimkin's company could have one, maybe two bodies inside it. There isn't enough money in the Bank of England to dig them out, and it's in nobody's interest to investigate this further. But, so we, the police, you and me, are going to forget about this. It's the best thing, if we want to keep our jobs. Well, 
I did as I was told, of course. In most days, I managed to forget about Mr. Dimkin. Except occasionally. Perhaps when I'm stuck in a traffic jam. I stare at the nearby walls and pillars and wonder. Is that a face staring back at me? I hope you enjoyed this episode of Behind the Bottom Line. Why don't you subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode? And please tell your friends and write a review so that other people can find out about Behind the Bottom Line. Take care until next time. Bye-bye.